It's the Bob McCowan Podcast and it's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today with uh, John Shannon here and baseball on the agenda. Uh, today, the Blue Jays have made uh, a couple of fairly significant yeah. moves. You like the, the Bassett season. move? Sorry? You like the Bassett move? You know what? I honestly don't know enough about Bassett to really have any kind of sense as to what kind of a pitcher he is. Now, if you look at his record, looks like a pretty good one. Pretty consistent. Um, as, uh, you know, especially for a 3-4 kind of role, which I think is why they got him. Yeah. So, uh, well, we'll talk about it. Dan Shulman will join us after this. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. McCown and Shannon with you. Uh, well, it took a while for the Toronto Blue Jays to get going during this offseason, which I know fans were and probably still are uh, whining and complaining about. Dan Shulman, the Blue Jays broadcaster, joins us now. Uh, some things have happened. The Kiermaier signing and now Bassett. Um, we don't think this is the end, or do you? No, I don't think this is the end. And, and, and I always find it funny is not the right word, but, you know, when and guys came off the board, right? Guys, the Blue Jays were interested in went somewhere else. But how that gets turned into this front office never does anything. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you, you know, from from Hyunjin Ryu to George Springer to Kevin Gosman, like what more evidence do you need? Or and Jose Barrios, like look at the contracts they've handed out. Of and, course. Um there's there's a, a lot of evidence that always suggested they would get something done. Maybe it wouldn't be their best deal or the best deal, but it's it's not like they weren't going to do anything. So, you know, it's the nature of fans to get all wound up and that sort of thing. Uh, no, I don't I don't think they're done. I, I thought they needed four things um, in the offseason, and I think they've gotten three of them. I think they needed a guy who they felt comfortable with towards the back end of the bullpen. They got him in Swanson. Now they gave up Tay Oscar, and we can get into that in a second. They clearly needed another starting pitcher with Ross Stripling being a free agent, and they got Chris Bassett. And it wouldn't break my heart if they got another starting pitcher, but uh, they clearly needed one. And what I love about Bassett, and we can get into him in more detail too, he's not a wild card. He's a reliable, proven guy. You know what you're going to get. And I think at this point of the contending window for the Blue Jays, they need that. They needed a guy who could play center field, maybe not seven days a week, but Kevin Kiermeyer can certainly do that. I don't think he's going to be an everyday player. To me, Kiermeyer is kind of Tapia and Zimmer rolled into one player. His offensive numbers are likely to be about the same as Tapia's and his defensive ability is really good like Zimmer's. And I think Kiermaier will probably start, you know, two, three days a week and come in as a defensive replacement. Springer can play right sometimes. Springer can DH sometimes. 
But I think there's another outfielder coming, and that's the Teoscar replacement, a left-handed hitting guy who can uh, chew up a lot of at-bats. I hope there's another bat coming. I mean, they could try to patch it together with Merrifield and Biggio, also able to play the outfield. But I think there's another legitimate outfielder with some real offensive ability still coming. Um, perhaps, but they probably have enough now that if they didn't get that other outfielder, they'd be okay in the outfield, don't you think? I think it's borderline. So if it's Guriel and left, Kiermaier in center, Springer in right. Uh, again, I don't think Kiermaier is an everyday player. I don't think he's playing against lefties very much. Um, but do they try to say, okay, well, Merrifield, you know, Kiermaier can play center and Springer can play right. Right. And then when a lefty's pitching, Springer will play center and Merrifield will play right and Kiermaier's on the bench. It's, it's okay, but it's a little thin. You know, you're an injury away from then what? There's another guy, and maybe they try to patch it from within, a guy named Nathan Lucas who had a really good AAA year last year, older, older minor league player, like 26, 27. Like they've got some bats who are on the horizon and are pretty close, and maybe they give them a chance. But I, I still think there's a, whether it's a, a trade for a Max Kepler, a signing of a Michael Conforto, I, I, I'm not sure. But I still think there's one more legitimate left-hand hitting outfielder who is coming. You know, what we don't know is, do they want to move Springer out of center field right now, permanently? Right. And and have they had that conversation with him? Uh, you know, he's two years into a six-year deal. I think everybody knew when they signed him, eventually he would move to right, a little less wear and tear on the body and all that. Um, they've also got the, here's another thing we don't know. They've got the DH spot to play with a little bit, but Springer needs some time there. Vladdy needs some time there. Alejandro Kirk needs some time there, unless Alejandro Kirk isn't a Blue Jay anymore. That's the other great unknown. Are they going to trade a catcher? Yeah. And if they trade a catcher, which one will it be? And what will they be getting in return? But the notion, they're not done. Um, something or some things else uh, are going to happen. And, and I, I honestly believe when it's all said and done, they're going to wind up with a better team than they had last year for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I don't think there's any way Barrios isn't better. Two, I think the bullpen is better. It, it, is, it is deeper now. The acquisitions of Bass and Pop, the trade for Swanson, and guys like Pearson and Zulueta maybe being able to help last year when they didn't, uh, this year when they didn't last year, the bullpen is better. And then three, and I've always kind of been on this bandwagon, I, I always thought the lineup needed to be more balanced. And that, just, that doesn't just mean left-right. But that's a big part of it. Um, but I think, you know, the trade of Teoscar Hernandez was clearly made. One of the reasons it was clearly made was to free up a spot to go get a left-handed batter to stick in there. And I, I think I think that guy is still coming. And Kiermaier, who will probably get, you know, 350 at-bats, but I think it'll be like Tapia. Like, he's not a starter, but he's in there three, four days a week, and he ends up getting his reps and, and helping in a variety of ways. Is he not a starter in your mind because of age? Um, it's not necessarily because of age. It's because I think they're going to go out and get another bat. So, and, and I think again, uh, Kiermaier can play center field when Springer DHs or Springer starts in right. If they plan on starting Springer in right, I, I still think Kiermaier is very, very good defensively. He's got a bit of an injury history too, which is a little bit worrisome, Yeah, but I, I don't think he's, I, at this point of his career, 
I don't think he is a guy that this team would count on as an everyday guy. Again, the offense is not great, probably doesn't play a lot against lefties, but to have him start three days a week and come in as a defensive replacement in other days or pinch run or come off the bench, um, you know, leadership veteran has played on some really good teams. I think he can help um, in, in a lot of ways, but just like if I said to you last year, who are the Blue Jays starting outfielders? You would have said Guriel and left Springer in center and Teoscar in right. But Tapia wound up getting more than 400 at bats. And that, that's, that's my point. Between the DH spot, guys getting hurt, guys you know. getting rested every now and again, Kiermaier will get his. Is Toronto an attractive place to sign, Dan? Is it an unattractive place to sign? No. Well, I, I mean, you can answer it either way. I said attractive. But... Oh, attractive. I, I think for some, yes, for some, no. So I've, I've talked to a lot of players about this. And, and I think maybe the more open-minded and, and – um, uh, you know, it's listen, we all know it's a wonderful city and it's a wonderful country. And we and, and but we also all know there are some American players who may not want to play in Canada. And it might just be because they don't know any better. They don't know what they're missing out on, you know, or or there's no target or I can't find the kind of milk my kids like or, you know, things like that. And, and I've heard those two specific things have been said to me over the over the years. Um it's different. And some, some players are willing to take a leap of faith or are willing to call a, a teammate or an ex-teammate of theirs and say, hey, you played in Toronto. What's it like? And some guys are like, no, don't want to do it. I, I'd rather play closer to home. And, and listen, if you're from, you know, make up a state, if you're from North Carolina and you've got an option between the Braves and the Blue Jays, or if you're from California and you've got an option between the Padres and the Blue Jays, you know, maybe you want to stay closer to home. Maybe your family does. Maybe your wife does. Maybe your kids are in school. It's not, I think it's an attractive place to play without question. But as much as we all love where we live, there are some obstacles that have to be overcome. And maybe it's the perception of the taxes being a lot worse. Maybe it's the perception of my wife had trouble at the airport one time. It took two hours and she had the kids with her. Like there are certain things that are more complicated to being in Toronto. So yes, John, I think it's an amazingly attractive place to play, but I think as much as maybe it pains us to admit it, you do have to, there are some things that you're going to encounter being a Blue Jay that you're not going to encounter playing for the other 29 teams. So, so tell so me the answer, you know, the answers you gave me are everything non-baseball. <laughs> right. Okay. So in terms of baseball, yes, yes. Well, so here's, okay. So that's a great, it's a great follow-up. Here's the reason I did that because there's more to it than just baseball. Um, these guys, and maybe it's because I get to know them a little bit better, um, you know, they're husbands and fathers and sons, and, and, you know, they think about a lot. In terms of baseball, absolutely. I think the organization does a, a great job taking care of the players and the players' families, a really, really great job. Uh, and in terms of the baseball, why wouldn't you want to play in front of 35 to 40,000 uh, for hitters, everybody, everybody loves hitting at Rogers center. Um, you know, the renovations are going to start this year. That'll make it, that'll improve the quality of the ballpark overall. Um, and you're going to play for a team that has a chance to win. So yeah, for, from a baseball perspective, I think it's almost overwhelmingly an attractive place to play. So my sense is you'll do, I don't know, 25 to 30 trips, uh, through customs in a season. Uh, is that about right? The team somewhere to and from, in yeah. So yeah, twenty six, yeah. So probably yeah, about thirteen going out and thirteen coming back, something like that. Yeah. So 
tell me what a what kind of a hassle is it going through customs as opposed to you know getting on an airplane going from uh, you know New York to Boston or wherever to wherever in the U.S. So I don't know exactly what trade secrets I'm allowed to give away here, but um, so yeah, when I do games, I'm on I'm on the charter with them, and and um, it's it's it, it is a little bit more complicated than just flying from Boston to Philadelphia or or, or right. something yeah. like that. It 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 takes a little bit of extra time during COVID there were extra steps that had to be taken. Um, and the opposing teams were taking them as well. Uh, sometimes busing to Buffalo and flying out of there. Let me get this straight, because the US government at the time was asking for a negative test if you were on a plane, was not asking for a negative test if you were crossing by land. Right. So all teams, like when the A's and the White Sox and the Tigers came to Toronto, they did the same thing. They, it, it got to the point where teams didn't want to know if anybody was testing positive. So they were right. busing to Buffalo and then flying from Buffalo to wherever they had to do. Really? I don't know if that's still going to be a thing um, going. And that in. was in every sport, Dan. That wasn't yeah. just baseball. Right. That was that's right. Because once we got to the border and there were like eight buses because the Leafs and the whomever in April, <laughs> uh, right. the, I think the Leafs and the whomever had just beaten the Blue Jays and the whomever the other team was. And we were bus <laughs> number eight out of the eight. And I, I just, I sit there and I play on my phone. Not everybody just sits there and plays on their phone though. So, you know, there, there's that kind of stuff. Coming back uh, into Canada, it, it's very minimal, but it takes, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. There are 65 people on the plane um, and you show them your passport and, and you're fine. It, it was actually going to the U.S., um, that was more like that. But again, that's just the players in the traveling party. The players have to think about their family members who are coming in commercially. I get and, it. You know, I, I am, I've probably traveled more than anybody you guys have ever met. Like I'm an, I'm an airport expert and it could, you fly at the wrong time or you, you go in the wrong lane and you can still have a problem. So I would imagine for family members of players who are coming in with little kids, maybe have never been here you know, it, it can be a bit of a hassle. And, and I don't blame players for taking those kinds of things into consideration. We only look at them between the white lines, but they've got real problems and real families and real life like the rest of us. So I'll tell you another big one that people don't think about at all that is big. Let's say you played with the uh, San Francisco Giants for six years and you're from where it doesn't matter you're from Iowa and you played with the Giants for six years and they train in whatever town it is in Arizona they train in. you've probably bought a home in Scottsdale or somewhere mm -hmm. like that that might be your home now yeah and do you want to sign not necessarily with the Blue Jays but with one of the I think it's 14 teams that trains in Florida like your kids are in school over here it's uh oh, Kevin Kiermaier is an example on the flip side uh, it, it supposedly came down to the Blue Jays and the Dodgers. And I don't know if this was a factor, but Kevin Kiermaier lives in the Tampa area. The Blue Jays train very near there. That's seven more weeks he can sleep in his own bed. As opposed, Like seven weeks out of 52 is not nothing. So I always caution people, it's not just money. And the, and the money matters, obviously. There are a dozen other things that I think players take into consideration before they sign with a team. And most of them are kind of behind the curtain that we never get a chance to see. Um, this, is a, this is a team right now that looks like, as you said, you thought it was better than what it was at the end of last year right now. Well, we, or, if they get another left-hand hitting thumb, oh, uh, yeah, like a legit one more bat, I think they will be, yeah. 
But this is also a division that is going to be interesting because the sense is that the Yankees won't be as good. Tampa may not be as good, although Tampa always surprises you year after year. Yep. Boston will be bad. And the Baltimore Orioles, while they're a, they, sh- they showed a lot of signs of being a comer, are probably a year or more away if they are going to be uh, as good as the rest. So this is a year the Blue Jays can win the division, correct? I believe so. Uh, and I think the way you kind of group them is fair. I think there's three and there's two. Um, I don't think Boston is going to be terrible, but I don't think they're going to be contending good. They've made some right. interesting moves. Baltimore is headed in the right direction, but they took a huge leap last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes there's like, you take the huge leap and then there's the plateau season and then you really figure it out. And then you take another leap. Um, I think the blue Jays, Yankees and Rays, I would flip a coin, but to a three-sided coin between the three of them right now, Tampa Bay's farm system is great. They always wind up bringing up some guy in June who looks yep. like a great player by August. Um, they don't have the financial resources, obviously, um, you know, the Yankees retaining judge was huge for them, but it's 40 million a year. And even uh, unless you're the Mets, everybody else uh, has a line that they won't cross financially. Um, I think the Blue Jays, and this is the second year in a row I've said this, I think they're a better team than their record said they were. And you are as good as your record said you were. But I think they've patched some holes that needed to be patching. Maybe the overall talent level isn't quite as high, although I think it is but I think the pieces of the puzzle will fit together better. So two things. Yeah, I, I think they, it, it's funny because last year, everybody was crazy on the Blue Jay bandwagon. And like on the inside, I was saying, well, Robbie Ray won the Cy Young and Marcus Simeon almost won the MVP and they're not they're here. They're both anymore. gone. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't think we have that on the Blue Jays this year. I think you have more, like if I said to you, you can only pick one. Vladdy does better or worse than last year. I think we'd all pick better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what we think will happen, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like maybe well, he's he, not as good as two years ago, but I think he'll be better than last year. And I think Barrios will be better than last year. And there are always candidates for regression as well. But I, but I think they're really good and they've got a chance, a chance to win the division. And, and another thing going for them, and it applies to the Yankees and Rays as well, but this is the year where the, the more balanced schedule starts. Now, that right. doesn't help the Blue Jays relative to the Yankees and Rays, but it helps them relative to teams in the other divisions if they're competing for seating in a wild card spot or gotcha. something like that. So I, I think there are some good things uh, for this team headed into the season. I, I think, you know, you, you touched on two guys. I think that uh, assuming Guerrero will be better is probably safe. Um, Barrios, to me, is the big question. Yeah. Rios to me is wow, all this money they paid for him. And we were talking about, I mean, I hear Ross at the at the meetings talking about the rotation and and he Barrios just goes out comes off his tongue like, well, he's gonna be one of he's gonna be three. Right. Well, holy smokes, that's you you want you have to wonder if that's a gamble at this point. Well, I think he's going to be the four right now at the beginning of the season with the signing of Chris Bassett. But uh, but I, I've never gotten too hung up. Like if you said to a random Blue Jay fan, who who was the opening day starter last year? I don't know how many of them would know it was Jose Barrios. Like it he was. was and, and he often remember the first two. And it didn't go very well. Yeah. But they won the game. They came back and won the game. Um, but he was brought in to be at least a two. Now, 
uh, Gosman was replacing Ray, and we knew Kevin Gosman was a really good pitcher, but he was new to the Blue Jays. And Alec Manoa had less than a season in the big leagues at the time. So I don't get caught up too much on who's one, two, three, and four, because Manoa started off as the four, and by the 1st of May was clearly one of the top two. And by the 1st of July, was clearly the one, right? So um, it sorts itself out. I don't think Barrios needs to be like Manoa Gosman good for this team to have a great year. He just needs to keep them in games. He just, you know. Well, he needs he, to be more consistent. He yeah, wasn't very right, consistent. Right. Can he just go five or six innings, two or three runs, have a 380 ERA? You know, if he makes 32 starts, they go 18 and four to what? whatever. You know what I mean? Like just... The problem with him, as you said, and even more so with Kikuchi, is you never knew what you were going to get, and you right. could obliterate your bullpen um, in, in those kinds of games. Um, Barrios has a track record. He is unequivocally the healthiest starting pitcher in the major leagues over the last seven or eight years. He has never missed a start, not one. Mm -hmm. Knock on, you know, knock on whatever you want to knock on. So uh, to me, he's a very good candidate for improvement. And I don't see why he would go from a, you know, a 330 guy to a 530 guy and just stay at 530 for the rest of his career. He's only like 29 years old. He's in great physical condition. Was he tipping? Was he, I, I don't know. But I bet you all the smart people with the big computers down at the Rogers Center are spending the whole winter looking into everything they can find on Jose Barrios. Well, you wonder whether he has to develop another pitch, too, because he's not a real hard thrower. And it's basically fastball, breaking ball. And it's more of a curveball than it is a slider, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He called that the, there was always confusion. What should we call it? it? Yes, six people, you get seven different answers. So he got hit a lot on his fastball. He's got a two-seamer and a four-seamer. I think his two-seamer is quite good. His four-seamer got hit a lot. Um, and they've got to find a way to disguise the pitch or locate the pitch or, or do something with the pitch to make it um, uh, a more effective pitch. He's got a change up too. That's okay. But when he's really on, it's mostly the two seamer and the curveball that are, mm -hmm. that are going well. But I, I, I feel, and I said this a few times on the air last year, if you just walked into a ballpark and you're a baseball fan, but if you'd never heard of Jose Barrios and you just watched him pitch, I think you would walk out of there saying that guy's got pretty good stuff. Like it looks good to me. It, the two seamer moves, the, the curveball really moves. Um, I like to think it was just location. And, and I remember a few games too, you know, sometimes a guy will get in trouble. He'll give up a home run and then a walk and a single, and then he'll get out of it. So he gives up one run. Barrios had always like the home run always came last. So it was three runs instead of one, or it was yeah. the, you know, the infield hit with two outs off the fingertips. And then somebody hit a home run. It, right. it always seemed to me like not, I, I'm not, you know, absolving him of responsibility, but it always seemed to me like there was a little bit of sequencing bad luck where the homer always came last. So a one or two run inning turned into a four or five run inning. And, and listen, that's on him too. You got to minimize the damage when men are on base. But I, I truly believe that he's a strong, strong candidate for a much better year this year. Speaking of uh, uh, velocity of pitchers, where do you see Bassett fitting and where, where's his speed? He's, uh, I believe, I looked at his uh, Savant page a couple of days ago when they when they made the sign. He throws like six or seven different pitches. He's four-seamer, two-seamer, cutter, slider, curveball, changeup. So he throws a ton of pitches. I think his velocity is kind of 93, 94. So good, not 
you know, overwhelming, but I think with him and I haven't sat down to watch like a game tape or, or anything like that yet. Um, but I think with him, it's more about uh, keeping them off balance, movement, location. And, and he's been remarkably, it's funny in a different way. He's kind of been like Barrios, remarkably consistent for a number of years. And I wholeheartedly applaud that choice by the Blue Jays front office. Um, I don't think they, you know, the Kikuchi thing, and there's a little hindsight here, but I know how I felt back then too, but I can't prove it to you. But I don't think they needed to go and get a guy who, well, we can fix him and make him great. I think at this point, they just need guys who aren't going to bury them, who aren't going to really, I think they should be concerned more with a higher, with the floor than the ceiling. And Bassett's floor is extremely high. You know, is his ceiling as a number one? No, he's, but they don't need that. They've got guys ahead of him who can, who can take that role. So I, I think they're hoping that um, he's a guy who can go out there and give him six innings and keep him in ball games. And, and his track record proves that. But the economics of the game are interesting because they paid him like they paid a number one, two years ago, basically they gave him more than $20 million a year. Yeah. You know, that used to be a number one, number two pitcher. Well, he's getting 21 million. Kevin yeah. Gosman last year got 22 million. There you go. Now, Gosman had had one phenomenal year with the Giants in 2021. Other right. than that, he'd kind of had an up and down career. So, right. you know, like Justin Verlander got 43 million a year, double. Exactly. So now he only got it for two years because of his age. But to me, the big story of the offseason is the absolute explosion of salaries for starting pitchers in an era where starting pitchers theoretically have never meant less. They still mean a ton, but they don't mean as much as they do. Because they they pitch six innings, basically. Because they're five, six innings, as opposed to, you know, we don't have Carlton's and Seavers and Morris's and those guys around anymore, you know. Um, And it's not that they're not important. They are. but bullpens are more important, but the, the salaries that starting pitchers are getting is going up every single year. And all of a sudden, just one year later, it makes the Gosman deal look like a bargain, relatively speaking. Like if Kevin Gosman had been a free agent this year, he wouldn't have gotten 110 over five. I don't know what he would have gotten, but he'd have gotten more than that. Don't you? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure you guys um, would agree. And, and sure. even like, um, you know, kind of mid range starting pitchers are getting, two years, 24 million, like 12 million a year for a number four starter who's had average success in the major leagues. We don't even blink an eye at it right now. Yeah, it, I know. it goes to show you how much money baseball teams are making. Dan Schulman is with us. We'll uh, take a break. We'll be back after this. The Bob McCowan podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or even becoming a parent. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. The therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and teaching you productive coping skills. Learn more and save 10% off your first month 
at betterhelp.com slash bobcast. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bobcast. McCowan and Shannon with uh, Dan Shulman of uh, Sportsnet. Bunch of things I want to address with you. You mentioned the catching situation. Do you have any sense as to what the organization wants to do with their catchers? Because we sit here and we hear that they they're they would not be unhappy with taking three catchers to the yep. start of the year. Yeah. And then at the same time, we look at it and we say, well, does that make a lot of sense when you have needs elsewhere? What do you think is going on? I would trade one of them. A hundred percent. I would trade one of them. Yeah. But then I would go get a veteran type catcher, even if he's my triple A guy like a guy I'd feel comfortable bringing up if one of the other two got hurt. Cause now I've only got two catchers. So yeah. I, in, in those guys, you can find, I would definitely um, trade one of the three. If I had to guess who they're going, I don't even know how to guess, to be honest with you. I think, you know, I, we could, we could simulate an argument here where I say they should trade Jansen. You say <laughs> they should trade Kirk and you say that they should trade Moreno. And we could probably all make a hell of a case yep. about why I agree. They, about why we are right. If I if I kind of try to read between the lines, I think they're kind of leaning to to maybe making Jansen the most available of the three. I don't know if I would do that. I know Jansen has had issues framing the low strike. There's been concerns about that. He's also by far the most experienced of the three. And it's not that Kirk can't catch. It's just that Kirk is young and Moreno's really young. And is that enough experience at such an important position to lead a team into the World Series? And I, I don't know it, if it is. I, I, I don't know why, but I would hang on to Danny Jansen. And, and to be honest with you, I'd be out there talking about all three of them because, yeah. you know, Team A might want Jansen, but not Moreno. Team B might want Moreno, but not Jansen. And Team C might say, the hell, I'm taking Kirk. He's the best of the three. So I, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I, I think they're going to trade one of them. But, but Dan, which bat would be hardest to replace? I would say Kirk. Kirk. I would say Kirk. Even though Kirk, his numbers kind of trailed off the second half of the year, he was so good in May, June, July that they still wound up really good. Um, but I, I would say Kirk. Jansen, it, to me, it's funny because Jansen is the most well-known and the most experienced, but the bat is the least predictable in my mind because he's but he was pretty stretch. good he was pretty good down the down the stretch wasn't Ooh, he? he was phenomenal he was great he was phenomenal yeah. he's had six week stretches where he looks like a cleanup hitter and then six week stretches where he really struggles if you could put it all together it's like the Lourdes Goriel thing if you could take Lourdes's best two months and make it six months wow the same with Jansen um but I, I don't know Moreno to me is going to hit for average he's going to make contact uh, I don't know how much power he's going to have. I don't think he's going to have a lot. I think he'll have a little. But the bigger question, I, I think you kind of know what you're going to get out of him offensively. Defensively, to me, is the issue. Like, if it's Kirk and Moreno, Kirk's not catching 110, 120 games. They do, they're not going to do that with him. They're going to, you know, catch him maybe 80 and have him DH 40 or 50. So if it's Kirk and Moreno, Moreno's going to catch 80 games. That's a lot of responsibility on a very inexperienced kid for a team that has designs on winning the World Series. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying that's a lot of responsibility. 
See, I don't think they trade Kirk anymore. I think you're taking Kirk off the table, and here's why. I think they did that. They did that when they traded Hernandez, because it's a. I don't think they can lose two bats like right. those two in the same yeah. year. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I mean, again, if they bring in Michael Conforto, was still out there. I'm trying to think of somebody else. If they bring in another equivalent bat to a to Teoscar, which is hard to do, you know, then maybe that changes the calculus of the situation. Sure. But but you make a good point because that's taking your like number four and five hitters out of your out of your lineup. But this also could be a pivoting Bob to them trying to win a little bit of a different way. Instead of it being all about run production, maybe it's a little bit more about run prevention. Um, you know, Kiermaier, Bassett. I guess sure. We'll, we'll we'll see. But I still think they've got flexibility and and options and and things like that. And there's no question they're holding some pretty good cards with these three catchers. Um, I just think waiting until the deadline to trade one, you can get something for these guys. What it, you know, and, and maybe, you know, say you trade Jansen and you package him with something else to get something really good, you know, then, then you're talking, but. Um, Let me ask I, you something. I don't know. Yeah. Do you think they're trying to get the, the objective is we'll trade one of our catchers if we can get a starting pitcher. Because that's going to be a hard thing to do. No, I think they're trying to get an outfielder for a catcher. Really? Yeah, I think they're particularly trying to get a left, uh, uh, one from the hits from the left side, right? Yes. Yeah. So there were rumors about St. Louis, but then St. Louis signed Wilson Contreras, so they don't need a catcher. Arizona has some good left-hand hitting outfielders. Now, one is a better hitter than fielder. One is a better fielder than hitter. None of them are perfect. None of them are stars. Um, but you know, capable players, capable players. But do you trade Gabriel Moreno, a top 10 overall prospect in baseball for a capable player? No, you, you got to get more. Mor the other thing is, if you were to rank the three catchers, how would you rank them in terms of value on the market? I think it would be Moreno one, Kirk two, and Jansen three, which is amazing because Kirk was an all-star in a silver slugger award winner. Like they've got some, some good cards to play here, but how do the other 29 teams look at Kirk? Do they think he can catch 120 games a year? Do I don't they, think so. Yeah. Do they think the body will hold up? Do you know? I don't I think mean, he thinks that he can hit like, we know he can hit. We know that, but everybody who follows this team also knows there are certain limitations to, to him as, as well. So I would, it's fascinating. I would love to uh, be able to hack into somebody's phone and listen in on all these conversations to hear what they're trying to do. But they, you know, the Jays, you know, the Contreras signing in St. Louis, I think there was a lot of hearts that sunk uh, when, when that occurred. Uh, and the Jays need to try to create some level of leverage. Uh, and the only leverage they have right now is that we'll keep all three. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because I think there are a few teams looking for a catcher. I don't think there are 15 teams looking for a catcher. You know, um, we've heard uh, Arizona, Cleveland. Um, so, you know, Atlanta just traded for Sean Murphy from Oakland. So that dries up Atlanta. St. Louis is gone. And in the Atlanta deal, um, William Contreras, the younger brother of Wilson Contreras, he wound up going to Minnesota, I think it was. So that's gone now. So the easiest fit is with Arizona. And again, they're not household names. Um, guys like Dalton Varsho and Alec Thomas, but they've got young, controllable, left-hand hitting outfielders who can be good players. Can they be, I, I don't know if they can be all-stars, but 
you know, again, maybe that's where you got to get a little bit creative and it's a two for two deal or a two for three or something like that. If the one for one doesn't work, there's a fit with Arizona. There's some talk with Cleveland as well, but it's not, yeah, the, 28 teams could go out and get a start and, yeah. and use a starting pitcher. It's not like 28 teams need a number one catcher. It's just a handful. For, and for the record, for my vote is I, there's no way I'm, t- I'm touching Moreno. Moreno's a, a Blue Jay for a long time. All right. Well, that, that's how I feel about Ricky Tiedemann, the pitching prospect that they okay. have. I would, I would not deal him for anything because uh, – so barring the unforeseen, Manoa's got five more years with the Blue Jays. Barrios has six. Gosman has four. Bassett has three. And Tiedemann's going to be here soon, like by next year at the latest, I think, if he continues progressing. You've got a 2024 or 2024 by 24. Maybe even late 23. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But um, I don't touch. I don't I don't move Tiedemann for anything. I would move Moreno before I move Tiedemann. I don't want to move either one of them. Um, I, I just worry about this catcher thing that I see potential pitfalls with trading um any one of the three but again i guess this falls under the category of a good problem to have well no i don't disagree with you but consider this you know you're looking for a right fielder you're looking for another outfielder to play a lot moreno may be that guy if you're not on that i'm not on that train (laughs) you aren't huh (laughs) i'm on make him a catcher uh, and make him a catcher and um i think if he's here next year whether it's with jansen or with kirk I think Moreno's catching like half the time, like fully 80 mm-hmm. games. I don't think you he's do, catching huh? 40, 50. Um, and, and, you know, let's say it's Jansen and Moreno. If Jansen's hitting 210, Moreno's going to catch more. If Jansen's hitting 260 with power, Jansen will catch more. But I, I'm – catching is so complicated now. There's so much information. He's so much uh, – he's so young – he's with a lot of veteran pitchers who really, really want the game plan executed well – um, I think they've, he's got to pour and they've got to pour all of their efforts and energy into making him the best catcher he can be. If you need him in a pinch at second base, third base, right field, okay. Uh, and, and I'm happy to be wrong. I don't love the idea of making him a hybrid kind of player at this point of his career. Okay. Um, I don't know if this is the last topic, but I want to get to this because we haven't had a chance to talk to you in the, in the recent past. As of today, the uh, busy, complicated broadcast booth of the Toronto Blue Jays is basically down to you. <laughs> um, am I lying? Um, I, I guess not. So, so yeah. So, um, Buck hasn't I, made a decision, right? Right. So, you know, the the first thing is obviously Buck's health and whether he feels. Uh, ready, willing, and able to return. And it's not for me to give any details on that. That's right. that's everybody obviously is hoping that Buck is back. So um, I have uh, signed on for, for uh, you guys are going to be stuck with me for a while. I'm here. So I, I have signed on to do um, uh, the majority of the games for a number of years. And uh, yeah, so they, the most of the play-by-play side chair is uh, is filled right now, and I think the next thing to wait for is just um, you know hopefully that 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 buck is back, and then they can uh, piece it together after that. Well, how many? What games, was it like? Honestly, how many games have you signed up to do? 
I don't know if I'm allowed to, to say that. I guess I can say that. Sure, it, it, say it'll that. be, uh, it'll, in, let's call it in the, the 130s, something like that. So. Okay. So the question then becomes, them, does Bucks... Half of them are home. That's nice. Well, more than half of them are home. You're, uh, I promise you this, John. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm going to do all 81 home games, and the games I'm going to miss are going to be on the road. That's a, that's right. a handshake deal that, uh, that I have with my family until they get sick of me. I know If they come to me and say, you know what, Dad, maybe do some more road games, then I'll, then I'll know I've got a problem. But uh, <laughs> I fully intend on doing every home game and trying to be uh, in my house as much as possible. But the truth is, regardless of what Buck decides, even if he decides to do games, you're going to need a third guy, right? Well, are, you, are you applying, Bob, or what? Uh, no, I'm not <laughs> applying. It wasn't, it wasn't cute. I was... But the phone works, you know, if, if, the, if the phone rings, I'll answer. Yeah. And, and but the truth is you're going to need somebody. Yeah, and they're, and they're sorting that out. They're sorting that out. So that's not my, you know, that's not my job, obviously. So, um, but, uh, you know, I'm privy to certain internal conversations and it's it's uh it, it's it's all going to be sorted out in plenty of time what was it uh, what was it like to work with tabler oh it was great um i don't know how well you guys know him um as nice a human being as you'll ever meet so uh i've been very fortunate to work with wonderful people in both countries both networks both sports um uh, over the course of my career and and uh tabby is is one of the absolute nicest human beings that uh, that you'll ever meet I don't dispute that in any way, shape, or form. I, I never had the opportunity to, to work with him or uh, other than to say hi. Um, but let's be honest. Tabler was a homer. Uh, do you, how, how do you react well, to that on. statement? The network's owned by Rodgers. The baseball team's owned by Rodgers. So? There's nothing wrong with that. Well, what do you, I mean, that comes from a hockey guy. No, I mean, the who, hockey who, guys... We, we, who we, had hockey you know, in Canada who wouldn't say anything negative about the game. Oh, that's crap. You know that's crap. No, I don't know that's crap. You know what? I I'm going to let you really two guys sort this out. I, I'm not going to. Uh, I, I enjoy everybody I work with. I'm friends with everybody I work yeah. with. So, and, and I'm not going to. I, I don't rank them. I don't rate them. I don't disparage them. Um, I I really feel very fortunate to have worked with everybody that I've worked yeah. with. And, and, and again, these, you know, Bob, these decisions, it, it, you know, it, it's... I, I'm a play-by-play -play guy. That's that's yeah. all I. Am. It's above your pay grade. Yeah. Danny. Hey, so, uh, actually, it, I saw bucket. Uh, I saw bucket the meetings for MLB Network. He looked good. Yes, he did look good. So he was there. Uh, I believe it was for Bat Baseball Assistance Team, and he is the president or chair. I'm not sure what the title is, but it involves yeah. you know helping retired players in need get assistance. And Buck has been a champion of that cause for many many years. He did look good, and um, you know I think when he came back, um, I mean he did an incredible job. Um, you know, and he, and he would tell you he, he got fatigued, you know, I mean, sure. Hell he did for, you know, three months of cancer treatment, like who among us wouldn't. So, um, but, uh, the last time I talked to him, he said he was feeling good and I'm sure he's getting a nice winter of R and R down in, uh, you know, down in better weather than we're dealing with, with him living yep. down in Florida. And, um, I think everybody's, you know, really, really hoping that, that he's back for whatever, whatever number of games works for him next year. I'm just curious as a play-by-play -play guy. Um, the rhythm of your call, how will the, how will the clock change it? Um, or will it, it? it's a good question. I don't, I don't think it'll be a problem. I think I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, I think a 245 baseball game is awesome. And a 330 baseball game is not so much. So, yeah. um, 
uh, it, you know, it's something to get used to. For some pitchers, it won't change it at all. Hopefully, it's enforced. I mean, the worst thing they could do is announce it and then not enforce it. If you're bringing it in, you're bringing it in. So um, it, it's probably one of those things, John, where I'll have to get into it and and get the feel of it and understand, okay, you've got to be a little bit shorter. you got to change your phrasing a little bit. My son did minor league baseball last year, so he had the clock. And he was like gloating. I, I'd always get the we're through six innings text from him. We'd be in the bottom of the fourth. And my my pain in the butt son would be we're through six and, you know, that kind of thing. He loved it. Uh, now, he's never been a major league broadcaster to see anything different, but he's watched a zillion games, obviously. But um, I think it's going to be great. And like a lot of things that we think are going to be a huge deal, it won't be long before we even say, oh, like. Oh. People were worried about netting down the lines in baseball games. And now, you know, kids were getting hurt, right? And now nobody even talks about netting. Of course we have netting. We should have had netting a long time ago. The DH went away this past year. Nobody talked, yeah. nobody cared. We're fine. Like the clock's going to come in. There'll be some griping for in April. And I bet you after that, it's fine. I don't see, I don't think any of the Blue Jays starters, well, Bassett, I don't know uh, well enough. I don't think any of the existing Blue Jay starters are going to have any trouble with the clock. Do you? I don't think so. I've wondered, you know, Gosman's got the tap, 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 tap with his foot, and that probably only takes two or three seconds. But you can actually go on Baseball Savant and look at the average time between pitches. That was something they brought in this year. Uh, there were a couple of guys who were slow. I think Kikuchi was slow, and I think Romano was slow. But not like, you know... First Ridiculous. percentile slow, just on the Blue Jays staff. So yeah. um, I've heard Bassett is a little bit slow, but they're all they're all going to have to adjust, and and they will uh, they all will adjust. Barrios was the fastest. I remember looking that up, but I don't think the Blue Jays have any major concerns in that area. I should know this, and I I think I'm right, but like if you uh, if you don't release your pitch on time. It's an automatic ball. Is that it's what? And, yeah. and it, it applies. The underplayed part of the story is it's on the hitter too. Like the hitter has certain responsibilities as well, or he right. can get a strike assigned to him. Like, like a guy can strike out because he's not in the box in time. If he's got two strikes mm -hmm. on him already. So it, it's not just the pitchers are getting most of the discourse, but it's on the hitters as much as well. Here's, here's one, I, uh, a situation that I, I fear will come up. Pitcher gets ready to throw and throws the ball, but doesn't get to 20, the 25, is it 25 seconds? Yeah. It's, Clock. it's different if there's a man on base or not. I think it's, I think it's going to be 18 and 26 or something like that. I can't remember. But Whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. So the pitch is on the way. The umpire is going to call time because the pitcher didn't release it in time. But in the mean, meanwhile, batter hits gets a base hit, hits a home run, does something dr very dramatic right. with that pitch. Now you're going to – now are we going to go to replay? Right. So because it's baseball, there are loopholes because baseball was has loopholes for everything. And what – but what about – and in September, um, I think all kind of major league game announcers were emailed like a two-page – literally two-page – Here's how it's going to work. And I got through about half a page and I said, you know what? I'm going to do this in March. My head's hurt. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to consider. And then there's the throw over thing at first base too. Yeah. And I, I've decided I'm deep in the throes of college basketball right now. So I've decided to, to not uh, study that until March, but there's no question, Bob, that there will be things that they will have to say, Oh, 
and, and revise and revise and revise. Right. And that's okay. That there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that. So sometimes you gotta, you gotta put something in to realize, you know, it's like making a computer, like you, 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 you make a computer and oh, this, we got a glitch here and we got a glitch there and we'll fix it. You gotta, you gotta debug the rule a little bit too. Well, you seem reasonably optimistic about uh, what the Blue Jays have done so far, and you think there's more to come. I Am think I there's more to come. I think there's a catcher trade for a left-hand hitting outfielder to come. Um, I'll tell you what I really want to see, though, and I haven't done this yet, and this is the kind of thing you can get done in February. I think they need three or four legitimate AAA starters, guys who you could call up in a pinch for a couple of starts here and there, and not have it cave in on you. They did not have enough pitching, starting pitching depth at Buffalo last year. If somebody breaks an ankle or somebody gets hit on the kneecap by a line drive or whatever the case is, you can't bring somebody up who's going to go 0 and 8 in eight starts. You need, I think you need a little bit more at the AAA depth level than they had last year. Uh, you know, it's things like that that can turn 94 wins into 89 wins, you know, and, and 94 and 89 or whatever numbers you want to use can be the difference between winning in the division, getting a bye and having home field versus being a wild card and starting on the road or something like that. So I hope they patch in around the edges as well. I, I know we got to go, uh, but we never touched on, on Ross Stripling. Are we assuming he's gone? Uh, I assumed as soon as he signed, uh, as soon as uh, Bassett signed with the Blue Jays, that Stripling was gone. Yeah, that, that's my assumption. And I will tell you, uh, whoever gets him is going to be lucky to get him. Uh, obviously, he had a great year pitching. And uh, from a media point of view, I've never met anybody better in terms of just being a good guy, being an open page, good teammate, uh, all those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, uh, I would assume he is somewhere else and somebody else got a pretty good starting pitcher. But the question in my mind is, why is he somewhere else? The guy was good for this team last year. Yeah. And if you find a fifth, another fifth starter you want, the guy could pitch out of the bullpen and will. Yeah, uh, I he's would probably about what do you think? Fifteen million? Uh, I don't know. I I would guess two years, not three. You know, and and not like the Bassett okay. money or something like that. You know, I've seen a lot of guys kind of getting like the two years, twenty four. That that was kind of always what I thought Stripling would get. Um, my guess is they still believe enough in Kikuchi and White that between the two of them. They think one of them can be the fifth starter. One of them can be the long man. I, you? I'm not, I don't think another starting pitcher is coming in to bump both of those guys out of the rotation. I think they'll battle it out for the fifth spot. Look, we got to go because of, uh, of time. Um, Merry Christmas. Happy New Thank Year. Um, all that stuff. And enjoy the basketball stuff uh, until we Thank get you. to baseball again. All right, we'll guys. talk to you Thank soon. You. Good seeing you. Thanks, Danny. Dan Schulman, back in a minute. The world's greatest sporting event only rolls around every four years, and every four years, everyone becomes a soccer fan. That's right, billions of eyes are about to fall upon 32 nations battling it out for soccer supremacy. The Men in Blazers podcast will once again be your guide to every incredible goal, every heartbreaking defeat, and every moment of human triumph. This is America's number one soccer podcast, bringing you expert analysis of every U.S. men's national game and exclusive interviews from a slew of athletes and celebrity guests all month long. This is what the world will be talking about. This is the one podcast that makes soccer fun and entertaining for everyone. 
Follow Men in Blazers on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Thanks to Danny for uh, being with us today, as always. You uh, still want to talk baseball, huh? Well, it's just uh, the stripling thing. I, you know, whether I was one of those guys that got on the bandwagon and just was so impressed with what he did in any role that he played for the Blue Jays last year, the money doesn't seem to be as much an issue for me for him as as the term, because he's at a point in his career. Well, I, think he needs, he, I think that's true. I think that's true with job. every team that's interested in him. Yeah, job security. He wants job security. Well, he wants and, three years minimum, right? Yeah, and I do. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if he wants four. Really, Maybe. and and so you know, but they the Blue Jays, I, I guess, can't can't allow that when you consider everybody else that's under contract for that period of time, and with some of their young guys, as Danny talked about, some of the young guys showing up in the next year and a half. Don't you think that the Blue Jays would take a two year deal with Stripling? I do. I don't think he would though. I, agree. I think he wants more than that because I, again, it goes back to. All those things that Dan talked about right at the top of the show about, you know, what a baseball player looks for. And I think job security, um, you know, he's not a young guy anymore. He's not an old man, but he's not a young guy. And I just think that if you can find a way to get four years as a player, that's what you should be doing. And we'll see what happens. See, the key for me is that what I don't understand is why don't you give him the extra year? Say it's three years. You give him the extra year with the understanding in your own mind that you're probably only going to keep him for one year. You only need him for one year. And then you can trade him. Now, you may not get uh, a valuable asset in return, but you'll get rid of the contract, presumably. I would. Well, baseball is one of those sports where I'm I'm always amazed at how, how GMs can get rid of contracts. There's always something out there that says that uh, you can you, you can move a guy late in his contract. But uh, to me, that this is just the one where I'd love to see him back, but I, I'm just not sure in their timetable it makes any sense to have another long-term contract for a, you know, a starting pitcher. Well, you then it's got to be Kikuchi probably as, as the – as the yeah. uh, and hopefully Pete Walker's had a winter with him that that will make him a little more effective longer than two innings. Well, sure, and I guess they're they're probably I I don't know where Kokuchi is at the moment, but I, I'm sure they're keeping track of him. Yeah. And yet they thought he was good enough when they got him from Seattle, and he wasn't clearly. So, you know, how can you make an assessment? He, he's he's one of those guys that for two innings, man, you say, look at the stuff, and then it just evaporates. <laughs> Well, sometimes, sometimes he doesn't make it through two innings because it's, <laughs> although I, I must. Don't I remind must give, Jay's fans. I must give him this. I thought that what he showed in relief late in the season was the best he was probably all year. So who knows whether that's real or imagined. Anyway, right. we got to get out of here. Thank you, John. Our thanks to Dan Shulman again, and we'll uh, see you tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody. 